Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast is sponsored by Blue Star. For BlueStar, SaaS means solution as a service, not software as a service. And with their hybrid SaaS program, they have embodied just that. BlueStar's hybrid solutions as a service provides you with flexible financing options to fit any business model. In our suite of offerings, you can bundle your software, hardware, service contracts, installation, training, and more into one low payment for your end user. And you get paid in any way you see fit, monthly, one lump sum, or a mix of both. Solutions can be paid for upfront and in full through the more traditional CapEx method or throughout a stint of monthly payments in the OpEx route. Rip and replace and subscription-based financing plans are also available to offer up to your customers. Partner today with BlueStar to optimize your business needs. For more information, visit, visit BlueStarInc.com. That's BlueStarInc, all one word, dot com. In this episode, we'll be focusing on selling technology to cannabis dispensaries with two members of the RSP community with experience selling to cannabis dispensaries. Thank goodness. John Bashanov is the CEO of Software Developer App Spensary, an all-in-one point-of-sale system for dispensaries that allows their consumers to get cannabis delivered and pay for it all from their phone. And if you think that sounds neat, you're not alone. As Spensary was just voted the most innovative product at Vartech 2021, Blue Star's annual partner conference. Prior to launching App Spensary, John worked for TSIS for three years. And before that, he was a pitcher for the minor league teams for the Boston Red Sox, Chicago White Sox, and the Anaheim Angels. John, great to have you here. Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to see you again. You and I were just hanging out uh, at Vartech where you won that award. Uh, congratulations. So uh, good that I, I do have one question for you before we get going. We're going to start asking all our guests this now. What's the fastest you've ever thrown a baseball, John? Uh, fastest I've ever thrown a uh, fastball is uh, 98 miles an hour. That's an interesting question. The first time I've heard that one in a couple of years. <laughs> all right, good. All right. So you got up to 98. So Oscar, start stretching out your arm. So uh, that was to our... <laughs> Our, our second guest, our Oscar Alvarez, a business development manager for Custom America. Oscar has been part of the channel for nearly a decade, starting with Peak Technologies, known back then as Peak Rizex. He worked for six years as a channel director for POSX before that company was acquired by Custom. One of Oscar's focus areas today with Custom is helping VARs sell solutions to the cannabis vertical. Oscar, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate it. Great. And do you know the fastest that you've thrown? I, I don't think I've ever gotten over 50, so you don't have to be embarrassed here. I'm going to have to say 99. I didn't hit 100. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you play for, Oscar? I can't tell you, man. Canadian League. <laughs> it is true. We have no way of validating it, so you might as well, might as well go with 100. Uh, if you're go and top John on the guns there. So, wonderful. Well, kilometers. That's right. Yeah, it's measured in kilometers, so it doesn't. Uh, it's not quite there. So 99 kilometers. So uh, John and Oscar are all members of the RSPA cannabis community. That's a, a group of over 180 RSPA members who are focused on making progress in this vertical. So all right. So gentlemen, to start with, I'm hoping that you can give our audience insights into how you began pursuing the cannabis market as a business opportunity. Like how, when, and why did you head down the cannabis path? So John, first, please. Yeah, so uh, I was working for TSIS, and um, I was I was noticing that they didn't have a payment mechanism, an e-commerce solution. So I was doing a little bit of uh, deep digging and found a company called Hyper. Uh, they had an e-commerce solution. 
So it's actually pretty interesting. The way we developed our system is, is the Hyper uh, company had a, a YouTube video of how the payment mechanism works. And I sent it over to my partner. I said, hey, we need to make sure that our system works, uh, you know, in, in uh, togetherness with this uh, other payment mechanism. So people can, you know, order online and pay online. Got it. So that's how you started. Hyper is H-Y-P-U-R, correct? Yeah. Got it. And then how did you go from there? Like, how did you launch AppSpensary? Was it a developer came to you? Did you go to them? If you don't mind talking about the, the genesis of AppSpensary. Yeah, yeah. So um, me and Tyler went to the same uh, college, a college called Full Sail University. Uh, it's in uh, Winter Park, Florida. Um, it specializes in uh, technology development. Um, so I, I uh, took a course in mobile development and uh, he was taking a course in web development. Uh, there are some crossover classes. We had a mobile design, web design slash course. And uh, he sat behind me and we ended up, you know, starting to discuss different opportunities. And, you know, the cannabis industry is something that, you know, kind of really sparked our interest and for many reasons and kind of just discussed it. And kind of it took a little bit to start developing it because, you know, there was no payments then. So, you know, I had to learn a little bit more about the payment side of the, side of the house and, you know, dig a little deeper into that. And, and so when the payments kind of came about, it was like, okay, well, now we can do this so that we should do it. Got it. Fabulous. Thank you for that. Oscar, what was your path? How did you uh, start getting into the cannabis B2B uh, from a B2B standpoint? Yeah. So up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I'm about an hour and a half away from Seattle. Uh, this was around the time that Washington state was getting ready to legalize um, marijuana from a state level. And we knew a couple of the partners that were selected as the ISVs for the state um, and started engaging them and talking to them about different solutions that POSX had provided at the time. Um, so from there, I mean, there's just been state after state that has been legalizing, whether it be going to be um, recreational or um, being a medical uh, grade product. We, we've been offering solutions for barcode scanning, receipt printing, uh, all in one terminals. And it just grew from there just because uh, a lot of people saw our products out in the field. Uh, ISVs felt that if one competitor was doing it, they should be looking at, at POSX slash Custom America. Um, so that's really where we really stemmed off from. And I want to say this was probably in 2013, 2014. Okay. Wow. All right. So it's seven or eight years. Um, yep. That's uh, that's uh, forever in the uh, in the legal <laughs> cannabis market, uh, yeah. quite frankly. Uh, Ballpark, how many ISVs, how many VARs do you think you've worked with over that time that, that, that you've been uh, dealing with? Because this isn't a massive space, but... I want to say it's roughly around 40, uh, you know, uh, ISVs, um, VARs, you know, it, it's it's a mixed match. There's some hybrid partners that we have that are out there that kind of put, put out everything where it be point of sale products to security solutions to lighting. Um, so, I mean, th there's, there's quite a bit of different uh, entities that we're working with here at Custom America. Got it. Wonderful. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for, for that. So everybody knows kind of how you got into this market. So let's break selling technology to dispensaries into five segments, right? So the first one would be finding prospects. Second would be initial outreach. The third would be engagement, right? That selling conversation, the back and forth. Then what comes out of that is fourth, over, overcoming objections, which leads to the fifth step, which is closing the sale. So I'm sure our listeners know how to sell, right? This isn't going to be a sales 101 podcast. Like you should know your product, right? You should, you know, smile when you talk, things of that nature, right? But where I'm hoping you can help our listeners is by sharing with them how the cannabis, cannabis dispensary market is different from their typical sales process. So let's 
let's start with that first part, finding prospects. So that includes finding dispensaries to sell technologies and services to, and also finding the right contact inside of that dispensary because the owner might not be the person that you go to. So what have you seen? What's been most effective for you or the partners that you work with? What have you seen that's been most effective for VARs and ISVs, helping them build a list of target prospects in this market? So John, if you could take that one first. Yeah, so the, the best way to um, that we've been uh, reaching out to dispensaries is with, there's a company called Cannabis Media, and they are, um, you know, they have an email campaign uh, that we work with. Um, you know, cold calling, depending on what market you're in, right? There's a um, the market like uh, Oklahoma. There's a you know, a lot of uh, massive amount of dispensaries being uh, licenses being issued. So you know, there's a, could be a different approach as in you know with the new businesses coming out. Uh, with the limited licenses uh, market, you know, there's uh, different expos to go to locally. That's a, that's probably a good idea. Uh, just meeting new people, you know, operations, um, directors of retail, uh, retail operations people, and, you know, kind of let it work up the chain from there. Got it. And so just a couple things you mentioned, cannabis media. So if you can enlighten our listeners on that, like, how much do you have to pay for that? If you don't mind me sharing, what do you get back from them? Like, is it a list with name, contact, phone, email? What, what, how much do people have to spend? What are they looking at budget-wise, if you don't mind? And then what would they get for it? It's low cost. Um, you know, I, I think it's roughly around like $100 a month. Um, and it's just an email campaign. They, you, know, you, you can purchase per state. So, you, you know, whatever territory you know, closest to you that, you, you know, you, you have a good chance of knowing people or having connections in. Um, you know, kind of utilizing that area and getting a list from them. You know, that's it was a pretty strong list for us, you know, get, sending out email campaigns. Got it. And do they send the list to you or do they send the list on your behalf? Do you get the actual contacts? Uh, we, you get the contact phone number, um, but they uh, they send the emails on uh, your behalf. Our behalf. Got it. Okay, thank you. And then you mentioned about limited licenses. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit for folks who might not be super familiar with the market? What I mean, you don't have to run down every single state, but what's the difference between a state that has limited licenses and one that really doesn't have a limit? Yeah, for, like for instance, um, you know, Florida, I think it's around 32, 33 licenses. Um, they're really expensive. Um, and I know Virginia is a very limited license market, so you have only so many licenses the state issues. You know, for instance, Georgia just had a lottery. They only issued six licenses. So there's, it's a real competitive process. Um, you know, some have a scoring system. You know, some have a lottery system. So just there's a whole bunch of different ways to go. Um, but, you know, it's harder for those licenses to be captured for the uh, dispensary operators. Right. And so once it's limited, you know the list, right? There's a, essentially at this point a finite list, but the unlimited states, anybody can get a license. I mean, anybody who qualifies can get a license and those lists can be super long, right? And you end up on a on a really heavy research uh, task. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Got it. Uh, Oscar, uh, tell us about what to the partners you've worked with. What's been most effective for them of building a list of prospects? Mm -hmm. You know, I piggyback on what John said there is is getting out to some of the regional shows. You know, every state market is going to be completely different and and finding out who those contacts are and making that face to face introduction and having the conversations, I think, really uh, speaks or is leaps and bounds. 
I found that with with and on my side of the industry, being on the technology side, it's been easier face to face to have a conversation versus uh, trying to cold call somebody just because of the trust factor. You know, the 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 industry is still the wild west right now. Uh, there, there's there's things that are happening in the space where it's ever growing. So everybody's trying to come at at somebody with a new type of solution. And if you can put a face to the manufacturer or to the product or the software, it's 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 going to take you a little bit further. I I feel. Got it. And can you expand upon that point a little bit? Because in the RSP cannabis community, we've heard that a lot in terms of face-to-face events are way better than cold calling. And that seems to be true no matter what vertical, but it seems like the chasm in the effectiveness is so much higher right in the face-to-face compared to if you're just generally cold calling. Can you add a little bit more color to that, Oscar, in terms of like, why exactly is that? You know, and this is just my opinion, like in the market, there's so much that's happening, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to get their product out into their specific state. They're trying to figure out their growth strategy. They're trying to get their infrastructure up. You know, they're, they're all capital based. I mean, there's, they're not FDIC insured. So, I mean, there's, there's things that could happen in the back end where they just completely get whacked out of the market. So, I mean, having trust around your resources, your suppliers, like it feels like one of the biggest things just because you are an entity driving that force with them. And if you're not there to protect them, that they're just going to move on. Got it. Thank you. All right. Let's move on to part number two of our five-step selling, and that would be initial outreach. So, Oscar, let's stick with you. So, you've got your list of who you want to connect with, right? You might have met a few of them at a regional event. You might have purchased something from uh from cannabis media, what are the best ways to reach out to these dispensary prospects? How do you get their attention and earn a chance to have a meeting with them and talk to them? What have you seen? What works? What doesn't work in this market? You know, it's really identifying um, their needs and wants, but also kind of seeing what's been working for other partners as well, right? I mean, um, on our side, on the retail side, being inside of a dispensary, not every transaction is going to be the same. uh, And again, being state regulated. You know, there's there's opportunities where people need to scan a barcode to get into a queue to get into a dispensary. Um, you can have an open uh, area where they just go behind and talk to a blood tender. Um, so really just having an understanding of what, how the industry works, I think, is really going to help you be successful in this industry. Um, there's a lot of weird nuances that, I, that I've seen and I'm, I'm still learning. I mean, there's there's things that I, I find out every day. Um, but it, it's it's one of those things where I feel that if it, you have to breathe it, you have to immerse yourself into it to get an understanding of your specific market, and then you can figure out your niche market on how you're going to address what you're looking to overcome. Uh, you know, and on our side, being on the on the hardware, there's a lot of different opportunity that's that's coming about. Uh, a lot of things that came from uh, from the situation that we're in, um, being able to to move things around or engage with the customer without having an employee behind something. So it's, it's, it's ever changing, honestly. Got it. And so you talked about understanding the market. I guess I can, this would be a good opportunity for me to plug the RSPA ebook, Seven Elements of a Successful Cannabis VAR. We actually have a list in there because we talk about you need to have an educational pipeline to really understand this market. We have a really long list of, of things that, that you can do. So, John, let me turn it to you. So you got to understand your market, but what are the best ways to, do you go and physically knock on people's doors? Do you pick up the phone and call them, email them? tag them in social media, like what things have you seen that's most effective with these dispensary decision makers? I mean, to piggyback off what Oscar was saying, I think the best, you know, route to go and the key would be to, you know, just introduce yourself face to face, right? Shake their hand and, you know, build that trust. 
you know, there's like you were saying, there's a lot of things going on when operating a dispensary. You're worried about, you know, shipments coming in. Is the, is the point of sale working? Is it being compliant? You know, uh, employees, there's so many things going on. So, you know, kind of making sure to get, you know, get that time aside for them and getting face to face and, you know, kind of being able to explain to them what you can do and, and making sure that, you know, you can help their business. And is it you reach out to them and say, I'm going to be in your neighborhood Wednesday afternoon. Can I stop by or is it just knock on the door or set up an actual appointment? What, what have you seen is is most effective or does it run the gamut depending on the, the dispensary? It, it's just uh, just different for different um, territories, you know, some, you know, the living licenses markets. It's, you know, LinkedIn is a, is a better avenue to go connect with them on LinkedIn, build a relationship right with covid you know face to face wasn't you know as available so you know comment on their stuff like their things you know talk talk back and forth with them and create that synergy and create that relationship going so you know when the time does come to talk face to face they know who you are what you're about and you know uh, what mission you're on so John, to add as well, I mean, in, in certain states and in, in certain pockets or areas there's there's also cannabis communities that you know, our, our partners could be joining into so that they can get an understanding of the market. And, you know, there are decision makers that do attend those events because they, they want their, their name to be known. They want to talk about their product. And that's really how they kind of they, they grow in their specific market. Got it. And so you're saying become a part of those communities, show up at the face to face events and just be able to not be walk in there with a flyer and hand it over to them. Right. Get to know them a little bit. Am yeah. I understanding that? Correct. Got it. And is this a business card community? So like we're recording this right before I'm heading to uh, MJ BizCon, the biggest trade show. And so I guess this is for my own edification as well. Um, do folks have business cards? Or are they like, no, we don't take business cards. We do everything electronically. Uh, what have you guys seen? I guess John first and Oscar. I mean, I've been, you know, I've kept it uh, old school. You know, I hand out my business cards and try to, you know, get uh, business cards as well. Um, a lot of people have been doing the, you know, the LinkedIn QR codes. I've seen that as well. Got it, Oscar. What have you seen? Uh, same instance, still giving out my business card. Um, there have been times of time where I'm not wearing my suit, though, just depending on playing on your market. So maybe a golf polo might work out, but definitely business cards will work. And they have a business card they'll give to you. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, got it. Great. Well, thank you. Just because uh, for just this is a little bit inside baseball. So the RSPA, we have a regular RSPA cards for MJ Biz. We ordered our own RSPA cannabis community cards with the QR code that they can snap and it links to the web page for the RSPA cannabis community because we thought people are going to look at it and go, what's the RSPA? But if they see RSPA cannabis community, they don't even really need to know what RSPA stands for. They will know what cannabis community means. So I was going to ask you guys for your opinion on that, but it's too late. <laughs> right, everything's shipping. Just try it. <laughs> the best I'll let way you know. <laughs> and I was planning on leaving my uh, my sport coat at home as well. Going to wear slacks and a shirt. There you go. Unless you think I should go no shirt, show off the guns. You guys. <laughs> I don't see that. Give it a shot. I'm telling you, you don't know if it's not going to work. Good, John. Should I wear a shirt to uh, to MG Biz or what? Guns out, guns out, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll see. I'll save that for day three and uh, and see how it goes. So, all right, before we continue on, uh, let's pause here to let our uh, listeners and viewers know the RSPA has launched the next generation of education for the Retail IT channel with RSPA Academy Accelerate. 
This online system offers continuous learning, training, and development opportunities anytime, anywhere, from any device. Included are these courses. Entering the cannabis vertical, where should VARs start? Seven elements of a successful cannabis VAR. Mistakes VARs can't afford to make in the cannabis market. For more information on RSP Academy Accelerate, visit learn.goRSPA.org. Also, thanks to our sponsors who support the RSPA and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift 4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. And with this being a special episode, we want to thank the sponsors of the RSPA Cannabis Community, APG Cash Drawer, Blue Star, Star Micronics, Touch Dynamic, Partner Tech, Epson, 420 MSP, and Marijuana Venture Magazine. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And finally, don't forget to save the date for two special RSPA events in 2022. Inspire, the Retail IT Channel's premier leadership conference is January 23rd through 26th at the Wyndham Grand in Clearwater Beach. And Retail Out 2022 is July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Ontario. Two events you don't want to miss. So John, little home field advantage for you there with those being in Florida. And uh, Oscar, you'll rack up your frequent flyer miles uh, attending those. No problem with that. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, there will not be an, I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania. There will not be an Inspire in the Great Northwest or Erie, Pennsylvania uh, any anytime soon. So, all right, well, let's jump in. Let's keep, continue with our conversation. Part three is the actual sales call itself. So, John, let's start with you. And what advice would you give to VARs and other ISVs? So, right, so this is the aspect, how is this aspect of the sales call different from selling to a restaurant or maybe another retailer? Yeah, so my experience is uh, on you know the B2B side from TSIS, uh, we're strictly cold call, um, you know, do everything over the phone type deal. A um, little different on the cannabis space, our approach is, you know, we, we call them and let them know that, you know, we like to stop by type deal if they have time. Um, you know, kind of get, get into the store, shake some hands and, you know, trying to go that route and go, go um, you know, I'm from Florida, so it's, it's a little harder for me, you know, because it's a lot of big corporation. It's not as easy as in somewhere as a, a market, let's say, you know, Oklahoma or Michigan or, or California. So it's a little different than that, but that's a, that's a better approach than I've seen. Got it. And how is the sales call itself, once you're engaged in the conversation, different from selling to another vertical? Is it all the details you need to know about cannabis and regulations and, and all the emerging laws? Is that the biggest uh, thing that you have to be prepared for? Is there something else from a selling standpoint? You know, I hate to be cliche, but you know, you got you to know the product, right? You got to understand what their pain points are, um, what's going on with the certain track and trace system. Are they having issues with the data getting sent to the state? How's their compliance holding up? You know, a lot of these places get audited. They, you know, once they get audited and if the inventory doesn't line up properly, you know, that's some heavy fines. So, you know, those pain points can be pretty outstanding. Um, a lot of people uh, right now, there's a huge shift in online ordering. So, um, you know, some of those point of sale companies have third party software providers with the, uh, um, the online ordering. So it gets a little bit expensive. So, you know, we offer what's called a point of sale analysis where we, you know, we take those uh, revenue, uh, I guess, I want to say those costs for the dispensary, um, you know, kind of see if we can consolidate those costs and, you know, create a, uh, a provider un under one roof type deal instead of having multiple multiple providers. Yeah. So talk about that. That sounds interesting. Like we'll get, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're going to give you a POS analysis. What all goes into that? Is it something that is 
you know, digitized or is it something that you just kind of do where you you walk into their store? Can you you mind sharing uh, with our listeners and viewers uh, some color to that? Yeah, um, we like to get that information up front before you go and get the appointment in store. Um, so you have those numbers ready for them. Um, depending on, you know, what state is in, uh, some places have SMS services. So we ask them for their texting bill. We, you know, we ask them for their online ordering bill. We ask them for their point of sale bill. And, um, and then we take all those together, we, you know, run an analysis and see how much we can uh, save and save in costs. Got it. It seems like that would be of great interest to them, right? You're starting off with the ROI. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, we're providing a lot of value. You know, but there's a lot of value in having one, you know, provider, you know, consolidating the services. Got it. Great. I'm actually in the middle of reading the book Purple Cow. It's a marketing classic by Seth Godin, but it goes way beyond marketing because it says, don't invest all your money in marketing. Just have a great product, right? If you have a great product, that's really what's going to get people's attention when you start introducing it to them, like put more effort into, into R&D. And it sounds like that's that's a path that you're taking. So, all right, Oscar, give us your insights in terms of, you know, advice for VARs and ISVs for the actual sales call itself. You know, for the for the bar market, I think it's really just don't don't have that tunnel vision. You know, think outside of the box. There there's a ton of opportunity for uh, to be selling into this market, and, and to find the reoccurring right. You know, uh, I know that the traditional side is really looking for the payment side, but there's still a lot of reoccurring avenues that you could have, whether it be uh, labeling, paper. Um, there's a lot of specific applications where people are looking for something that's customized to meet compliance issues. Um, maybe it might be a label that needs to have a, a certain color or needs to have some sort of um, information that's listed on there. So, I mean, it's really just knowing what's happening in that specific area, but then also finding out specifically on that location itself. You know, uh, like John had said, there's always things that are happening with compliancy, uh, whether it's the, the C to self traceability that that could be an issue, or they they just can't get get something to work, so they're getting dinged by 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 fees. Um, so it's it's really just opening your eyes and asking questions because there there's there's technology in there, there's there's opportunity to get more in the networking security side, and it, it's 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 a good market to be in today. Got it. And one thing that I've bumped into talking with VARs who are trying to get new to this space is they're so used to having a core software product that they always represent and then a POS bundle around that. But a lot of them are saying is like, I can't find, you know, the right software that that works for me. And so one thing that we've kind of advised them, and again, this isn't like me coming up with the top of my head, but it's what we see other VARs doing is sell access control, sell video surveillance, sell some other things around it before you start getting into, because they might already have a software and you're not going to be able to displace that. I guess, what are your thoughts on that, Oscar, in terms I, of start? Is that what you mean when you say think outside the box? Don't just go with your traditional, I lead with a software and then other things. You might need to lead with other stuff to get in there. Am I understanding that correctly? Definitely. Uh, be the trusted advisor, right? You, we, everyone is looking at the point of sale, but I mean, outside of that, there's other avenues that from our side and the technology side where we could be that trusted advisor and providing that solution for that location. Got it. Great. John, any thoughts on that? Because again, you're selling a software directly, so you're just trying to displace whoever they have um, yeah. from a software yeah. standpoint. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, our, our, our offering's a little different, you know, because we provide an app that's something that's super new in the market. So it's one of those things like, hey, do you guys have an app? You know, most of them don't. So a lot of people want that. So it makes it pretty easy. Got it. Yeah. So you're looking for that gap and you've got a, a clear gap right there for these folks. So 
<clears throat> Great. Well, let's take steps four and five together. So overcoming objections and closing the sale. So Oscar, first, what are the typical objections that you've seen, you've heard from dispensary decision makers? And then have you seen VARs and ISVs, you know, overcome those and, and move it to become a sale? Um, right now, you, you hear the not right now or I'm too busy for this, uh, you know, with the, the current situation that we're in, uh, everything boomed for the market. You know, uh, Americans like to have their uh, their alcohol and their, their, their marijuana, honestly. And it, it seems like there's just been so many things that have been happening where things have been growing at, at an exponential rate. Um, so we, we have seen some objections. Um, but, you know, that just letting them know that you're still here, if there's anything that we can do to help, or if your current supplier is not meeting your needs, like we, we're still standing here waiting for to earn your business. And, and that, that that goes back to what we were talking about and being that trusted advisor and having that face-to-face -face interaction. It's just like if they know that you're around and you're just not here for the one, one year, the two year, they'll start knocking down some doors. And talk, expand upon that a little bit, because that's one thing that we uh, have seen in, in any new market, but especially in the cannabis market. You have a player who kind of does the hokey pokey. They jump into the cannabis vertical and then they jump out. And so they're not very reliable. Are you saying that instead of resellers jumping in and saying, I have to close this sale and if I don't close them, forget about them. They've got to do more of a nurturing program. Yeah, maybe not right now, but stay in touch with yeah. them on some periodic basis. Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And as well, I mean, if as the bar, I mean, make the relationship with their current provider as well. You know, I, that that's that's something that where it can offer an opportunity for them to help out in that specific region. They start earning trust with the the, the partner in the space, and th th they might start making recommendations to them. Got it. Thank you for that, John. What would you say in terms of overcoming objections, moving folks uh, towards the sale? What have you? What do you run into? Uh, how do you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, they're not not this time, right? Um, they got a lot of things going on, uh, you know, with the compliance, all the, every, there's things changing so much. Compliance, you know, if it's you know coming from uh, medicinal, recreational, there's just so much so much stuff going on. So not the right time, you know, just making sure that there's you're following up, you're nurturing that relationship. A uh, lot a lot of times, the point of sale doesn't always, you know, uh, isn't always up right sometimes it goes down so if you're nurturing and you're following up and you're following up you might catch them at the right time you know and kind of making sure that you, you know you're there and you're you're their guy waiting in the wings it reminds me a little bit of yeah. how managed services providers sell their backup solutions right or their overall solutions where you go to somebody and they're like we don't have any it problems check back three months later we don't have any it problems check back three months later you know what we just have had these three things happen maybe i should uh be looking uh, for somebody else. So, and there's also, again, I alluded to the seven elements of a successful cannabis VAR ebook. Underlying the seven elements is patience, right? You have to have patience in this market. It's not one call business uh, where, you know, it could be uh, if you're fortunate, but it really seems like you need to be in this for the long haul. I guess, Oscar, would you expand upon that in terms of the patience that John brought up? Oh, definitely. I mean, patience is virtue, right? Uh, you know, I, I keep on saying that it, it, it boils down to relationships and being able to have that conversation and, and look that person in the eye and say, I'm going to be there with you. Uh, I, I find that it just makes the selling cycle a lot easier when they when they trust you versus um, really kind of going in and saying, I can do everything. Uh, they're just going to shut you down right away. Um, so I, I, for one, I'm, I've been a big advocate for trying to get out to the local um, shows, uh, making friends with particular, let's say, another partner that might be just doing one part of the solution and say that you could provide another leg to the whole opportunity. 
Uh, so, I mean, really, it's just about uh, nurturing a lot of relationships around you. Got it. Yeah, get it. It sounds like uh, going to a dispensary uh, decision maker and saying, I'd love to do everything right right off the bat is almost like when you're hiring a new employee and they're like, I'd love to get into management. You're like, clearly you've never been in management before because nobody would be that enthusiastic or really know uh, know what they're talking about from, from that yeah. regard. So, all right, well, let me close with this. And John, if you can take this one first, you know, so thank you guys for, you know, helping us through those steps. Where do you see the cannabis market heading because there's a lot of folks who are like i'm not sure if this is really the market for me does it have legs could it really be something that's impactful to the channel so what do you think vars and isvs who have worked for years in the retail it space should do in reaction to where the cannabis market is heading i, I think they should start building relationships now you know the the market is just growing exponentially fast uh you have you have the the, uh, um, you know, new licenses coming out, New York's coming out, New Jersey's uh, coming out, um, safe banking, they're supposed to have a decision on that, or, you know, at least have something on that by uh, October 20th, that's what the rumor is. So, you know, that's huge for the payment space. Um, you know, federal legalization comes out, you know, that's such huge opportunity. You know, they might keep it state by state, but, you know, it, I, I would say to recommend to start you know creating those relationships now start you know speaking to the people in the cannabis industry and start you know start uh you know moving in that direction got it and the safe banking that you were uh referred to is has passed one house of congress it needs to pass another and like you said um you know we'll see if if that actually happens but it should be brought up what's your take on federal uh legalization because what i've heard folks say is well the democrats are in control they would be the ones who would be more likely to pass federal legalization. But of course, they, you know, it's 50-50 in the Senate. So even if one goes uh, against it, it's it's not going to happen. And then also somebody said they have a lot more on their plate right now than legalization, you know, of, of marijuana uh, because dealing with the pandemic and, and everything, all the recovery from that. What is, do you have a prediction on that or any insights in terms of where you think things will go from a federal legalization in the U.S.? Right. I mean, it's hard to predict politic politics nowadays, but if I have to say anything on legalization, I would just predict that it's going to happen by the end of the Biden campaign. Wow. So you think it'll happen within his four years in office? Yes. OK. Wow. Interesting. Oscar, uh, where do you see the cannabis market heading and what advice do you have for VARs and ISVs who are more traditional, you know, retail IT solution providers? You know, it's it's not going anywhere. Um, so you're going to have to get in at some point in time or else you're just going to get left out, right? Uh, so the sooner that you can get in, the better. Uh, honestly, it, it's it's one of those industries where it's going to take some time. It's not going to be something where it's going to flip on overnight. So yeah, I figured almost like a year's sales cycle to start the whole getting your feet wet and, and starting to figure out the industry, key players in your, in your specific market. Then you'll really find out about some real nuances uh, depending on the state regulation. And then from there, you know, honestly, like I, I'm with John, like if you don't get in and, and you're looking more on the payment side, you're going to have to start off from square zero. And there's going to be people that are going to be already five years ahead of you. Right, because they'll be providing those dispensaries with all sorts of other technology solutions. There's going to be a million people coming off the street, banging on their door about payments. So you might as well become their trusted advisor now. Exactly. And let me, so along the same lines, the same thing. So um, this is how I ended up uh, my comments at the, the Vartech panel on the cannabis uh, vertical market was, you know, um, prohibition ended in 1933. 
like right now in the year 2021, it's like 1930, right? We're starting to see this become, uh, you know, more mainstream from a cannabis standpoint. Just like today, liquor is mainstream, alcohol is mainstream everywhere except daycare centers. Uh, quite frankly, I bet if you check the top drawer of a lot of teachers in the daycare center, you'd find alcohol uh, in there as well. John, do you feel it's that same way in terms of like, that's really what's around the corner here is just like somebody, you know, back in 1930, should I get into the liquor vertical and the bars and restaurants that serve alcohol? Like the answer would be like, of course you should. Do you see it the same way, John? And then Oscar, I want to get your take on it. Do you see that's a good parallel with prohibition and that's what's around the corner for this industry? I think that we're going to see a lot more normal normalization, uh, you know, different ways for people to, in, you know, ingest it, you know, more beverage, you know, more beverages out there on the market. You're going to see it out there in like comedy clubs, you know, in stadiums, you know, a lot more open smoking, uh, you know, it's, you know, very similar to alcohol. Um, you know, that's kind of up to the person and what they want to do if they want to jump into it. Um, you know, we've jumped into it. So, you know, it's been exciting. Uh, you know, you have to be patient. You know, um, learn the key players that Oscar was saying in your territory and, you know, just kind of be patient and, and you know, know that it's going to end up working out for you. So just kind of just keep pushing through. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because like there's a bunch of people, I'd say the majority of people wouldn't smoke anything, right? Because you just don't smoke. But if you have something to be able to drink or something that's in uh, gummy or a different format, then more people be open to it. Oscar, what's your take on uh, prohibition and uh, and that analogy? Well, you know, so we, we provide um, hardware and so hardware, just hardware in, in Canada, and it's, it's federally legal up there. And we saw exponential growth in the Canadian market during during the, the pandemic. And I feel that once it, you, we start seeing some legalization here in the States, it's going to be the same route because, uh, you know, there's there's certain states that they're, they're, they're just not going to legalize it, but there's certain certain states that are just embracing it. Uh, you look at the the Colorado market, the Washington market, Oklahoma. You know, it, it's been something where it, it, the way that it's uh, put together, it, it, it could be successful. But once there is some sort of standardization and people understand what's going on, I mean, there there shouldn't be a reason why it shouldn't be legalized. And and for us being in it today, and for how long we've been doing it, along with John, you know, it's it's been you get a chunk here, you get a chunk here, and then you just see exponential growth, exponential growth, exponential growth. And I can't advocate enough. Get in now, because if, if you're not, you're just going to get left, left behind. Got it. And John kind of threw down the gauntlet. He thought by the end of the first term of the Biden administration, it'll be federally legal. Do you believe that to be the truth as well? Definitely. The closer right. and closer that it gets to Washington, D.C., I think the, the chances are going to be getting better. Got it. All right. Well, that'll that'll be interesting to see for sure. So, well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorsp.org and then clicking on RSP blog. You can also find the seven elements ebook that we talked about by going to gorsp.org and then just typing in seven elements. You'll be able to find it that way. Before we go, big thanks again to John and Oscar for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP marketing manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorsp.org. 
Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.